This is The Literary Life. I'm Mitchell Kaplan. I've owned books and books and been a bookseller for over 35 years. What you're about to hear are conversations about all things literary, with writers, readers, publishers, old friends, new friends, and anyone who might wander into our store with an interesting story to tell about their connection to books, reading, or writing. These will be informal, over-the-backyard fence kind of conversations, the kind I and booksellers everywhere have each and every day. Today, we're simply going to talk about books and readers. And my guest today is someone whom I consider to be one of the greatest readers that exists anywhere, any place, any time. I have known Connie Ogle for what seems to be a lifetime, but it's probably about 20 years, if not more than that. Uh, Connie um, is a writer for the Miami Herald, uh, but for many years, for over 10 years, she was the book critic for the Miami Herald, when the Miami Herald had a book critic, I hate to say that. Um, And Connie, who I've read prodigiously, uh, over the years, not only her criticism, but her profiles of writers, is probably one of the smartest, most uh, sensitive and uh, knowledgeable people that I know about books and about reading and about so many things that are literary. So it's just so appropriate to have her on The Literary Life with me. So welcome, Connie. Thank you. It's good to be here. Connie, um, among the things that Connie does, um, she's responsible for this remarkable site that's on Facebook. It's called, it's it's basically Miami Herald Books, right, Connie? Miami Herald Books, Readers with Attitude. Can you explain a little bit about what that is and what the purpose of it is? Sure. It's a Facebook group. It's very easy to join. Um, if you just go to Facebook and search Miami Herald Books and you should find it. And what it is, is everyone's allowed to uh, post reviews, not so much long reviews, but just recommendations, post questions, you know, uh, say you're going on a long trip and you want an audiobook that's appropriate for your kids, or you are really mad because you bought a book and you hated it, even though everyone told you it was good, or you read a book you didn't expect. You can, the, the sky's the limit. You can post memes, uh, you can post uh, links to other stories, reviews, anything about books. But there can, are rules and there are things you can't do. The things you can't do are post about your own books and say, <laughs> please read my books. Although people do do that from time to time. But we've kind of settled that down a little bit because we've been going on, I think, five or six years maybe. Yeah, um, and the honesty with which people write is pretty amazing. I yeah, mean, people are they're not shy about sharing their opinions, which is kind of fun. I mean, that's sort of the point. Um, and we don't always agree. And, you know, we've had some arguments, and we still have arguments about certain books, and that'll probably never change, which is part of the fun. And there are thousands of people and lots of different voices. And, you know, as I read it, and there are people that I don't know, you, you sort of get a sense of who they are. Right. I mean, it's this great, you know, I've always thought that, you know, window into someone's soul is, has to do with the books that they like. 
And I think that you can really get a sense of who someone is by what they're reading, what they're liking. The other thing that that is so interesting to me is that you have book challenges, reading challenges that you put upon yourself, but you've also you also throw them out to the people on the uh, on the page. What are some of the challenges that that you've that you've done? Well, one of the popular ones is how many books you know did you read this year? And um, I always said about last year, I set 100 books for myself. And this year, I set 100 books for myself. I, I set some other goals that I did not meet. Um, I promised I was going to read a big, fat, meaty biography in 2019, and that has not happened. It's December 11th. I'm <laughs> feeling like it's not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to make the cut. Um, maybe not a big, fat one, but maybe, maybe you a can skinny. Do, yeah. Yeah. Well, I have. Um, uh, my colleague Renee Rodriguez uh, gave me a copy of *The Power Broker* by Robert Carroll, which a I, big fat one. That's it's very very heavy. I could barely carry it home. Um, but but I, you know what I could recommend? I could recommend Les Standiford's um, *Palm Beach*, which although it's not typical, it's not a complete biography, but it is a lot about Marjorie Merriweather Post. You set these challenges, and so you read a hundred books this year. I actually just finished my 100th book last night on the way home. Say that again for our listeners. I just finished my, <laughs> I just finished my 100th book of 2019 uh, on my drive home last night. So, so obviously some of the books are also audiobooks. They are audiobooks. And, and every now and then someone will come up to me. This happened to me at the book fair recently. Uh, a woman came up to me, and it's somebody I know a little bit, and she said, I finally figured out how you read so many books you listen to some of them. And, and she said it in a very funny way that was sort of an accusation, like that was cheating. But I have a very long commute. And I mean, I live in Hollywood and I work in Doral. If you're not listening to books, you're going crazy and cursing at other drivers. And, you know, it's really, it's really good for my blood pressure to listen to books. No, and, and what people don't realize is sometimes actually listening to a book takes longer than actually sitting down and reading a book often. But it allows you, it gives you access to more books if you're able to do it. Exactly. As an and audiobook. I started um I started listening to audiobooks and I would just do crime fiction and because I'm a big crime fiction fan, I do light crime, kind of crime fiction light or suspense thrillers. But as I've gone on, I realized it's a good way for me to get to nonfiction. I'm not a big nonfiction reader. So I've actually listened to a lot of things I would never have picked up and read. Well, what I love about you, what I love about reading, what I loved about your reviews and about uh, profiles that you did when you were the book editor and now on Readers with Attitude is low art, high art. There's nothing snobby about the way you approach books. You are You approach it as a reader, as a lifelong reader. You just love a good book. I do. I do love a good book. I mean, there are genres I don't read. Um, one of the things I'm not real strong on is, for instance, fantasy, sci-fi. But we have a lot of people in the group who do like it, and they can make, make recommendations of things I don't read. This is the same, sort of the same thing with biographies and, and other nonfiction books. Um, that's why I like the group. I get a lot of good ideas from them. So let's talk about 2019 as we're wrapping it up. Uh, tell me about some of the books, some of those hundred books that you just loved and that are at the top of your list. Well, I have to say, I, I was looking over, and I'm one of those people that keeps a list, I do, and that makes it easier to count. Um, the the couple that stood out for me were Ann Patchett's The Dutch House, which I absolutely loved, and um, 
Colson Whitehead's The Nickel Boys, which has particular resonance if you followed those stories in the news, um, which I did. And both of those books just, um, they, I read a lot of good books. I think 2019 was a good year, and there's a lot of stuff I haven't gotten to yet. But for me, those two were the one, two that stood out the Let's most. Let's talk about it. So talk about uh, Ann Patchett's book. Well, um, I'm, I've been a fan of Ann Patchett's uh, for forever, I think. But I'm a, I'm a sucker for family drama uh, in fiction. That's I, I don't know why. I really like that. Um, and the Dutch house really had it all right down to the cover, that beautiful cover, which is just absolutely gorgeous. And when she was here, uh, I know you were there, Mitchell. She told the story of that cover. The story of the cover is, is wonderful that she commissioned it. Um, but I liked, I liked all the things that went on under the surface of that book too. I don't want to say too much about it because she was very careful not to say too much about it. But sometimes in that book, what you're being presented is not with is not what's really happening. Exactly. And she does that so effectively. Well, and she also, I mean, this is a story about a brother and sister mm-hmm. and about a, 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 a kind of a stepmother, an evil stepmother. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree with you. For me, that's right at right up there at the top of my list as well. And the Nickel Boys too. The Nickel Boys was just, it was like a dagger to the heart. It, it, I felt like a physical, I felt like I'd taken a physical blow when I finished that book. And I also love, again, Colson Whitehead is a terrific writer and I, I love the Underground Railroad and I loved his zombie book, Zone One. You know, I, yeah. I'm a big fan of his. But something about that book, it was so understated in describing horrors that we knew we know happened, you know, we, we know they happened. It was a real, real thing, and and his understatement was just perfect. It it wasn't exploitive. It was it it made it made you feel even more somehow. I don't uh, you know I don't know how he does that, but he did. That's a beautiful way of saying it. It it's I, I think when I read it, I felt that, but I hadn't expressed it to myself the way you just did. I thought that. Um, he took what was in the news and instead of sensationalizing mm-hmm. it in some particular way, he made it extremely human. Mm-hmm. You know, as we both probably do when we read, we experience other people's lives. I think that's why, I mean, I think that's why I read fiction mm-hmm. is that I get this cathartic sense of reading about another person's life and experiencing what they experience. Right. And he brought me right into that place, even though. I'm about as different as any mm-hmm. of those characters might be able to be, but on a human level, we're the same. Mm-hmm. And so we have the same fears and anxieties and all of that sort of thing. And I think Anne, is, Anne does that the same way. Yes, yeah, she does. She really does. Um, what else? What else was on your list? You know what else I really liked? Uh, speaking of big, big family novels, uh, uh, I just read this book when I was on my vacation. It's called The Most Fun We Ever Had by Claire Lombardo. And it's about a family in Chicago. Uh, it's set. It, the ch- chapters alternate past and past and present. And it's a it's a family with four grown daughters, and they have the two parents are madly in love, even as older people. And you'd think that would make for you know really wonderful lives for their daughters, but of course no, they're dysfunctional, and you know their lives are all disruptive. And uh, a, a teenager comes into the family for reasons I won't get into, and that sort of throws everything further into disarray. Um, but she's, she, I think this is her first book. It's really good. It's just, it's funny, it's moving. Uh, it, it's everything you want in a family novel. 
I, I was a big fan of uh, a book, and I'm not going to remember the author's name. I should have written it down. Uh, My Sister, the Serial Killer. And I actually listened to it on audiobook. I got it from the library. And it's a wonderful audiobook. It's It's short, and it's the point of view is very, very specific, and uh, the reader is wonderful. Whoever reads the book is wonderful. So I would, I would highly recommend that. It's, uh, and I'll try to pronounce her name correctly. It's, it's Oyinkin Braithwaite. Braithwaite, that's who right. Who wrote it? She's from the islands. Yeah, it's it's a good book, and I did I would not have known how to pronounce the characters' names if I hadn't listened to it. <laughs> So, um, I did read one nonfiction. Well, I, I've read more than one nonfiction book this year, and I've read more than one good nonfiction book. But one nonfiction book that really stuck out for me was uh, "Say Nothing." Oh, the one about the about the troubles the in I- Ireland, Irish troubles. Yeah, yeah, it's a wonderful book. And I, I, as I was reading it, I kept thinking, "How has no one made a movie out of some of this? Some of these well, characters? Someone is." Yeah, they, they have to be. <laughs> Someone is definitely going to do it. The, I think. the Price sisters in that book are—I would go yeah. to see any movie that, about them. I think. Well, that great. book, I think, you know, emerging out of 2019, emerging out of any year, are certain books that become kind of classics mm-hmm. going forward, even. And that book, I've already seen on lists that call it, you know, one of the best nonfiction books of the decade. You know, that sort of thing. And and yeah, that that red. It, it, you know, I just saw the Chernobyl uh, thing on, on HBO, oh, yeah. which I hadn't How seen it? before. It was really, really good. And partially it's because I didn't really know the intricacies of it. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I felt when I read Say Nothing as well. Well, you know, what's a great companion book to it is a book from, I think, 2018 called Milkman that won the Booker Prize. I did not read that. but it, it, Milkman's a tough read. And I actually listened to that on audio, which I think made it easier for me because it's, it's a complicated book. Um, but it's also, I think it might be a brilliant book. And to have the fictionalized story of that time and then read Say Nothing right. was, oh, that's, was a really interesting thing. That's a great suggestion. Do. Yeah. Well, and there is a kind of, don't you think there's a little bit of a boom in Irish literature right now? I don't Oh, is That's there? going on. Well, I, I'm a big fan of Kevin Barry's new book called Night Boat to Tangier. Have you I have read not this? read that. You know, oh, I have you not would read like this. I have not read Kevin Barry. It's a- oh, you would like this. It's two old mobsters sitting in a uh, ferry terminal uh, in in Spain, waiting for a boat to come in from Northern Africa, and one of the boats is supposed to have one of the mobsters' daughters on it. And while they're sitting there waiting, they are telling, you know, they're like riffing on each other about everything that they've done in their lives. It's really good. Kevin Barry is quite an interesting writer, I think. And then, you know, I read Education of an Idealist. And even though it's not an Irish book, uh, Samantha Power, Mm -hmm. you know, a good good third of it is about her time in Ireland. Oh, interesting. Because she came over when she was about nine or ten years old. This would be a biography that you would love. Okay, and you might even be able to get through it by the end of this year. It so it's a fast really read, really huh? fast. Okay, beautifully good. written. I, I am a crime fiction fan, 
So I do like to read, you know, I read the crime fiction writers that everybody reads, you know. But I um, also know who you love because I read your stuff. So well, Laura Lippman's book you love. No, right? I haven't read the new one. Oh, I thought that was one no. that you loved. I missed that. No, I haven't read that one yet. What I um, what I loved was Attica Locke, which yes. I, was introdu- I was introduced to her because I was, um, I did actually did a story for Kirkus. I still review for other outlets uh, now that we don't cover books at the Herald. Um, but I hadn't read her before, so I got the chance to do that. And her it's her Highway 59 series. It's set in Houston. And the main character is a black Texas ranger. And his, his main goal is to basically end the Aryan Brotherhood in Texas. So uh, the first book in the series was called Bluebird, Bluebird. And then this year, Heaven, My Home came out. And I loved Heaven, My Home. It's a wonderful book. And I, she's got other books. I can't wait to get to them. No, Attica Locke, is, is, she's definitely on the, you know, going up with a bullet right now. Well, she was, um, she was one of the writers on the, the Netflix series, When They See Us, about the Central Park oh, Five. I didn't realize Yeah, that. She's, she's, I mean, what an amazing piece. If you haven't seen that on Netflix. I, I did, I, I did. It's I a loved tough watch, it. but it's wonderful. Very tough. Now, some of the books that, you know, have been, books that have resonated well with readers here at Books and Books. I'm wondering if if in your blog or if in your own experience, any of them have, people have talked about Normal People by Sally Rooney. Yeah, Normal People. That's another one I should have mentioned. I really, I really like that book. And I think in the group, overall, Sally Rooney is, is a favorite. I think people were skeptical of her. I think a lot of the older readers, and by older readers, I mean readers <laughs> my age, um, were maybe, oh, how is how can this be so great? You know, she's you know she's getting all this acclaim, and she's you know she's not has no experience. Well, her books are great, and Normal People is wonderful. Um, I think she's. A, it's I think, one that I recommend yeah. as well. Then there's also you know our very own Florida-based Kristen Arnett, who. You know, it's kind of burning it up on Twitter and everywhere else. I have for not mostly dead things. I have not read mostly dead things yet. Um, that's one that's I'm I'm kind of saving because I, I like I'm looking forward to it. I love you know Florida crime fiction and taxidermy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it has to do with a a fa- you know a family taxidermy shop in Orlando, and she's a girl who grew up in Orlando. Well, she um, I think that book in our group there are a lot of people who liked it. And then there were a couple people who felt like it was a little too gory, maybe graphic yeah. about the taxidermy. I have a strong stomach. I think yeah, I'm okay. No, no, I think you're going to be okay <laughs> with it. And also, she's you know she came to the store, and what I love to see happening, and I'm wondering how you feel about this too. In all of the years that I've been bookselling, I think in the last five, eight years, the growth of different voices, the growth mm. of of cultural diversity of um, uh, gender diversity, of the way people identify, you know, has changed mm-hmm. so radically in terms of people get having voice now mm-hmm. who didn't always have voice. So Kristen, you know, she kind of identifies as a queer writer. She mm-hmm. wants that to be out there. Mm-hmm. And Mostly Dead Things has resonated not only in the queer community, but in every community yeah. as well, which is what I think has been so you know, so positive. It's funny. I just had a conversation last night with my brother about who's a, he's a huge fan of uh, African fiction, but he tends to read the older stuff. And I was telling him I had read so many wonderful writers 
writing about Africa, and they're all women, and they're all young. Yeah. And I mean, I, th I, th I think that's a really great thing. I mean, it's fascinating for me because I don't know, I know nothing about Africa, and and what it means to grow up in Lagos or grow up in a small town where, you know, you at fourteen you could be married off to some forty-year-old guy. You know, I mean. Um, or, you know, you live this cosmopolitan life in the city, you know, that just, it's just really interesting to me. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and the things that we're hearing about different, different communities around the world, hearing it through literature, because we're not hearing it on the news very much, mm -hmm, is really, really potent. Like I read a book called The Parisian. Did you read that? Uh, I think Grove Atlantic published it, and I'm forgetting the author's name, but it was, it was about, um, it was he was called the Parisian, but he's Palestinian, and it's written by a 26 year old woman who wrote this book. I believe she was 26. Um, really, really strong. Um, and it's it's uh, Isabella Hamad is the author of that. Okay, I have to look for that one that I recommend. So, so we're up to about you've got about 96 more. To no, talk these are about. just this is these are just my notes here. Um, I love Fleischman is in trouble. Did yeah. I mention that? Yeah, talk about that. Fleshman is in Trouble was a very controversial book in our book group. Um, a lot of people did not like it. They didn't think it was funny. They didn't. I, I don't. There were a lot of reasons they didn't like it. They were, thought it was boring. But I tell you, tell I us what it was about. It's a well. I kind of can't. Okay. <laughs> but it's about uh, a forty-something guy in Manhattan, Fleshman whose life is falling apart. His, uh, his wife has disappeared and left him with their two kids, and he's and during summer vacation, and he doesn't know what to do. And also, he has just entered the world of uh, Tinder dating with hilarious results. But some people, some people in our group did not feel the same way. And well, and you had the same, you were, we were talking before, you had the same experience with Trust Exercise, right? Yeah, Trust Exercise By was Susan very- Susan Choi, which won the National Book Award. Yeah, Trust Exercise, in fact, it was almost roundly disliked in the group. Um, both of those, what those books have in common is where they start isn't where they end. It's, you have to have a great deal of patience. I mean, maybe the readers had great deal, a great deal of patience and just didn't like the books. I mean, that's possible, but- um, for me, I liked them so much more when I finished them than when I started them. And, you know, I, I might have had some issues with trust exercise, but the more I think about that book, I've had more conversations about that book than probably anything I've read all year, which says something, you know. Well, t tell us what, you know, that, that brings me into what you've learned about readers since you have such an intimate relationship with them now, what have you learned? Are there any sort of generalities that you can give us I, about readers who come to you on this? I think some site? people, well, you know, readers are all over the place. I think some people don't like to be surprised. I like. I think some people really do like to be surprised and appreciate that. I think. I think some people, when they pick up a book, they want to know what they're going to get to a certain extent. Um, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing. I mean, I learned this. This is something I learned in the readers group because I don't read romance, but we have romance readers in the group. And that there's a um, when you look for romance, look at reviews for romance uh, online, they'll have a um, I can't what is it uh, like happily ever after. Like there's like it's like a little you know acronym there, so you know that 
That's what it's it going to end happy. And I actually I get that because I like to read crime fiction. By God, you had better solve the mystery. <laughs> I'm still angry about Tana French's first book, In the Woods, because I still don't know what happened in the woods. I read the whole book. I don't know what happened in the woods. What are you doing to me? So I understand people are very passionate about books. And when they, you know, and I'm just as guilty, obviously. Um, you know, I'm still mad. I, I haven't read an Elizabeth George book in probably 15 years because I was very angry about something that happened in one of her books. It's now become legend. They, people don't bring it up to me because they know <laughs> I'll start ranting. Um, I like that though. I like that people are passionate and like to argue and, you know, have expectations. Um, but I've also learned that people, I wish more people were more willing to read a wider variety of books. I, I think that's, I mean, I'm trying to, I don't, you know. Oh, I think you open it up on there. I mean, the books that you recommend, the books that you read, the books that you talk about, I mean, just as a bookseller, I mean, you are all over the place, which is really good. But the hallmark of what you do, which I think is really great, is no matter what genre, you're actually reading things that are really good. You know what I mean? That are Or that are, you know, the intention is that it's good. Mm -hmm. It's not random. It's intentional what you do, you know, and I think that's really, really important. It's it's like a well-curated reading list is what you've created. I hope so. I think that would be good. No, Here, it is. Here's the other thing I learned. Some people are monsters and don't use bookmarks. <laughs> I know. I know. It's terrible. It's, it's you a mean they thing. just, they flip down the page. I can't even talk about it. They'll yeah. take the book and do the, you know. Do the crinkle. You know. Yeah, or they'll yeah, yeah. open it up and just oh, and put just it down. leave it there and break and of, the spine. Of course, a lot of people read on you know e-readers and iPads and stuff. Um, I found that a lot of people, and this is interesting. I think that most people read both ways. They read some stuff on their Kindle. They read some stuff in hardback. Um, you know, obviously there, there are people who don't see well, so they like the Kindle to blow up the type. But I found that a lot of people read widely on different devices, which is good. So I want to talk about you for a second because, you know, what I said, you know, in the introduction that your life is about books to so to such a great extent. That's not the extent of your life, but books are so integrated into your life. Uh, and the, and and I, I wonder how that came to be. What was it like growing up as Connie Ogle? Where, where, where did the book? How did how did the book become? so uh, so much a part of who you are and your identity. I, I guess it was just my parents. My father was an English teacher. My mom was a big reader. Um, my mom took us to the library on Saturdays and getting that stack of books was always really great. Um, the oldest of three and my brother and sister are five and seven years younger than me. So I read my books to them. It, I don't remember a time that I didn't read. And there's a legend in my family, which I like to believe is true. It probably is not. But my mother, to this day, will tell you that they would put me in a crib at six, month old, six months old with a stack of books so they could sleep late and they could hear me turning the pages. Wow. So I like to think of myself as a prodigy. I think, <laughs> I'm sure this story is true. And Yeah, you know, no, I know. You were reading at, at know, six War, months, War and yeah, Peace, at six all months, of that yeah. stuff at six but months. I don't remember a time I didn't read. I don't remember a time I didn't like to read. And it's, it's still my go-to thing. You know, I, I used to review movies, which might've ruined movies for me a little <laughs> bit, but I, you know, I still like to watch movies. I like to watch, you know, TV series. 
I like to do a lot of things, but reading is always, it always comes back to that for me. And it's such a natural part of who you are. I mean, and I think that's why your profiles, and you wrote some remarkable profiles. Um, You had such a rapport with the people that you wrote about, and it's because it came so naturally. What are some of the most memorable profiles that you wrote? You know what's funny? This is this wasn't really a profile, but it is book related. I one of the first stories I ever did for the Herald, I interviewed Anthony Minghella for the English patient. Oh my God. And I really? yeah, I had to meet him at a Borders bookstore in Fort Lauderdale. And I was terrified wow. because I was so blown away by that movie. We sat down and we started talking about the book, The English Patient by Michael Andaje, which is one of my favorite books. And our rapport was like that because he loved that book more than me, if that was possible. And so just talking about how, like that journey from reading that book and then making it into that movie, thats that was one of my favorite. So you did the profile, It was really had he written a book or the no, movie was just It was just out. the movie was coming out. Uh. and But- most of our conversation ended up being about the book and how he tr- was trying to be so faithful and how he couldn't because sometimes it just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't translate. But um, the the one person I was, I actually interviewed him twice and I was so scared the first time I interviewed him. It was, I was completely intimidated and he was lovely. It was Martin Amos. Yeah. I have always liked Martin Amos. I think he's, he's a wonderful writer and he's funny, but I was intimidated, but he was... But he's very generous. He's he's a great guy to talk to. And you know, he and his wife live up the coast in Florida for half the year. So you may have a chance to Someday interview again. him again. <laughs> um, well, I mean, when I think of the, the quantity of interactions you had when you covered the Miami Book Fair, yeah. I mean, it's 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 tens if not hundreds it's, of It's hard interviews. to remember. <laughs> No, that you were able to do. And the other thing I know about you is that you've integrated books and you love bookstores and you integrate them both in your travels. So tell me in your travels some of the bookstores that you've come across that are go-to bookstores for you when you're away. I know you go up to the Pacific Northwest. I do. A fair amount. So, so well, Powell's in Portland, right. of course. And and in Seattle, I like to, you know, there's Elliott Bay, which is the the big one. But I like to go to some of the smaller ones, like third, I think it's third called Third Place, place Books. Third place. And then there's one in Queen Anne I've been to. It's called Queen Anne's Books. Queen Anne's Books. Right. Um, but anywhere I go, like we went to have lunch in Everett, and there was a little bookstore. And I went in and came out with a book. Um, I also use – I like to do – to travel in the Southwest. I have friends out there that like to hike and camp, and we we do something every year. And we always try to find a, you know, we always end up stumbling into like Maria. I think it's called Maria's Bookstore in Durango, Colorado. Oh, it's a fabulous, which bookstore. is a great, which is a great bookstore, it's an amazing and, bookstore. And we stumbled into. I was staying in Flagstaff. We were supposed to be on a hiking trip last year, and it was freezing and snowed. So we were staying at a friend's house, and we were in downtown Flagstaff. New bookstore I'd never, never seen before. Brightside Books had to go in and buy a book. That's but I always, terrific. you know, oh, in Ashland, Oregon, too, uh, Bloomsbury Books. I, that's just a little downtown Ashland. No, I, so I the whole notion of an independent bookstore 
being so rooted in their community is so important mm -hmm. for just this very purpose. Well, you know, one of the things that comes up, in fact, that came up just the other day on the Miami Herald Books Group, uh, somebody posted that on their bucket list was Parnassus Books, yeah. the Ann Patchett's bookstore. And I said, yeah, that's mine. And someone else chimed in, yeah, that's on mine too. So I'm not the only one that does it, which is kind of cool. No, well, maybe we should start. Maybe we should start something, you know, sort of like bookstore tourism. Book, we <laughs> bookstore can, tourism. We can we can organize some trips through the bookstore and take people from Miami to go visit other bookstores. I love that around. idea. I love that. Let's idea. do it. <laughs> that, that may be the only way I get to some of these places. <laughs> that, that would be, and, and you could be our guide. That would be really fantastic. Oh, wow. So I want to run through some books that, again, have been bestsellers for us okay. and you know in the store and favorites let me know whether you've read it yet or if it's on your list or or, or what you the chatter that you heard on readers with attitudes and since we're in the holiday season mm -hmm. these are some things that people out there may want to listen to i mean may want to think about and and i happen to have loved edwidge dantecott's stories oh it's so this good this new collection called everything inside yeah and you know what's that that's i didn't write that down on my list but it's one of the books i really love this year and um i'm a huge fan of her books anyway my favorite has always been claire of the sea light Beautiful. but this these stories are different and they're more rooted in miami yeah in turn you know it, and even though they take place all over the place um it's it's a good the good story. And that last story of the man falling is, I, I think, a clay. I mean, that could be the kind of story like the Rocking Horse Winner by Guy de Maupassant mm -hmm. that ends up in, you know, in these yeah. great uh, anthologies of American stories. That that sh that story, and there's another one in there, and I'm I'm going to forget the name of it, but it's the one where the the mother has Alzheimer's. Yeah, and she's dangling the baby off the. Uh, oh, that. That's uh, that's it was just chilling, chilling. But but they're all good. Yeah, but what I, what I loved about this book particularly is that she takes people. You know, it's not a traditional. I mean, it's 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 she's Edwidge is Haitian, and a lot of the characters are Haitian, but it is just from all walks of life. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. it's lawyers, doctors, it's so many different kinds of people. Yeah, that no, are it's in a this. terrific book. So it's a broad uh, look at the Haitian community as well mm -hmm. and, and what that's all about. There are two, probably the two biggest books talked about uh, was The Testament by Margaret Atwood this year. I'm ashamed to admit I haven't read it. I have a copy of it. I love well, that cover. It's so yeah. gorgeous, but I have not read well, it yet. Well, certain people are afraid to read it. <laughs> yeah, well. Because they don't know whether, you know, if they don't like it, what does that mean? And, you know, well, that sort of thing. You know why I've hesitated is because I feel like I need to go back and read A Handmaid's Tale because I read it so long ago. I mean, good grief. It had to be the 80s when I read that book. So I feel like I need a refresher and maybe and, if I read that first. And the other is The Water Dancer by Tanahasi Coates, which is another one that has been broadly discussed i have not read that about. one yet are oh. people reading it on the people uh, are reading it there's i saw a couple people in our group that were maybe a little disappointed in it and then the one that started the year with a bang was uh uh the great marlon james's book black leopard red wolf i haven't read that as i as i confessed i'm not a big fantasy reader but um i do like marlon james because I, I liked a brief a brief history of seven killings yeah but um it's actually it's funny. One of the one of the uh, one of the people in the in the group privately messaged me and said he had he had he always reads all the National Book Award 
uh, short lists. And he, that was the last one he read and he loved it. He, he was rooting for it to win. He really wanted it to win, but Susan Choi beat him out. What can you do? Another one that I liked that actually I was surprised to see it get the attention it got because it was Julia Phillips's first book is Disappearing Earth. That's, is that one that you read? I have not read Disappearing Earth yet, but it's another one I keep seeing coming up in the group. Um, Lots of people like it. Some people, you know, dissent, but I would say overall, it's, yeah. I've heard well, it's good very things. Un- it takes place in Kamchatka. So if that's not a place you want to, you know, spend time in. <laughs> that, but that sounds good to me because yeah. I, don't, I don't know where that is. So I, <laughs> I only know it from Risk because Risk has Kamchatka. <laughs> and I always used to try to get Kamchatka. It's well situated in terms good to of know. that. And then, you know, we haven't talked because you admittedly don't read a lot of nonfiction. But The Yellow House by Sarah Broom. I, I have not read The Yellow House, but I am on the list at the library for it. Uh, I have not gotten, I you know, I use the library. I buy books. I use the library. And the I mean, I love to use the library. They, I, that's where I get all my audiobooks. But sometimes you got to wait. <laughs> yeah. Well, the one that I also loved, and and it's it's not it's not it's a biography, but it's not one that you can get to by the end of the year. It's very it's lots of pages, voluminous, but it's solitary by Albert Woodfox. It's he's the he was the gentleman who was the longest uh, um, the longest resident of a solitary confinement in uh, in history for a crime that he didn't commit. And it's a fabulous book. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was published by Grove Atlantic. And it was shortlisted for the National Book Award for Nonfiction as okay, well. Okay, that's why I know the name of it. And yeah. then there's this yeah. great essayist who I haven't read, but I'm hearing so much about her. In fact, my 19-year-old uh, niece told me that that's one she's looking forward to. And it's called Trick Mirror by Gia Tolentino. I haven't read that. I, did. Yeah. I haven't read it. I've heard. I've read about her. Um, I'm trying to read more essays. I want to read the uh, the Lindy West book, The Witches Are Coming, but yeah. I, I have not gotten to that yet. I just read her book, Shrill, which yeah. is the, her earlier Well, and book. also, there's also Rebecca Solnit, who's getting mm-hmm. so much attention. She's good man. Yeah, yeah. these days. Um, there's a book that I also loved in the nonfiction world called Losing Earth by Nathaniel Rich. Uh, and it's a fabulous story about the 10 years when we could have done something about climate change and, and we didn't do anything. And I think it's like 1979 to 89. And he goes through why that is and what exactly happened. And there was a time in 1979 before Reagan when the entire, everybody was lined up to agree that climate change needed to be attacked. Even, you know, oil companies and, and the government. And it was, it was the days that Jimmy Carter was putting um, solar panels on the White House and that sort of thing. And then it all falls apart. Uh, he's Frank Rich's son as well. Oh, okay. Nathaniel Rich was another good one. Um, another, another one that, you know, talked about a lot and came out and we actually sold it quite a bit was Me by Elton John. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, in the wake other of than Rocket, Howard, other than Howard Cohn, other than I think, Howard, I I think other, say, Howard come and buy I them. I think all? other people have read it too. Uh, well, you know, it makes sense because the, that Rocket Man movie was so popular. You know, it yeah. was, so I could see people wanting to read more. And then there was um, there was also Furious Hours. That's one that I think you would like by Casey Sepp. I have that has been recommended to me on the book group many, many times. So, right. In fact, someone just said it was the best the best thing they'd read all year. Right. 
Right. So I've, you know, it's on the, it's on the the ever growing book list. <laughs> yeah, no, it's about it's, uh, it's uh, Harper Lee. Harper Lee. It's about Harper Lee and what she and and the book and everything that she went through. This is one my life, my time among the whites, uh, by Janine Capo Crusset is one that I've loved too, and this is a collection of essays, but it works as a memoir as much as anything mm -hmm. else. Well, she's such a good writer, and she's so funny. I saw her at the book fair, uh, not for this book, but for the book on travel, right? Uh, uh, traveling around Miami, yeah. And her book, "Make Make Your Home Among Strangers," is is one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Miami book. We could go on forever. I could talk to you forever like this. You've already, and, I'm, you've already got ten more books for me to add to my list before the end of the year. And so. you've done the same for me. <laughs> and Connie, I would, I hope this could be a dialogue that we continue going on. But, you know, it's the end of 2019. Anything you've heard about 2020? Are you thinking of... Uh, well, you know what I'm looking forward... Excited about there? Yeah, I'm looking forward to American Dirt. Uh, Janine Cummins, I think her yeah. name is. Uh, that comes out in January. And I'm I'm looking forward to getting my hands on that. American Dirt has been probably the most buzzed about book for yeah. 2020. That's that's the one I kind of had my sights on. And I'm I know Lily King has a new novel oh, coming out. Oh, she does. That's another, I don't know when it comes out, but it's it comes out maybe. in like April. Yeah. Juli Alvarez has a new book coming oh, out right. as well, that's a new right. novel, her first novel in a long, long time. Yeah, it's been a while. Isabel Allende has a new mm -hmm. one coming out. Um there's a lot of good stuff. But, you know, I think with the elections, people are trying to bring them out in the first part of the year so they don't get ignored in the second part of the year. <laughs> but they didn't, I don't think anybody put impeachment into that, uh, into that, into that hopper. That in. So 2020 might be a very rough year sure. to get attention for books. But there will always be readers. And uh, Connie Ogle, my guest on The Literary Life, is one of those readers and one of those book people who uh, we all cherish and uh, is a friend of books everywhere. And I thank you, Connie, for being on The Literary Life. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs>